But I noticed growing up, a lot of these kids don't practice like we did. Yeah. I used to get on 17 bulls a day, every day. Yeah. The kids don't do that no more. Ladies and gentlemen, we have in the house uh, a legend, two legends. You got Dale Brisby and, an, and a fellow legend, Mr. Robert Mims. Hello there, Dale. How you been? Upright, baby. Upright. upright. I like that. That's what I asked him. I said, how you doing? He said, upright. That's a good perspective. What uh, what you been doing lately? You said you're going to Wyoming next? Yeah, I got to go down to Wyoming to get a couple of bulls, a buddy of mine. And uh, we just left Phoenix, Arizona. I'm in the uh, Legend Bull Riding Association. Yes, sir. I went up there and you know, rode my two bulls, and they gave me a check. I get an airplane, I go home. Yeah. yeah. Easy money. But it ain't easy. You got to work at this, baby. Um. The unique thing about Mr. Robert Mims, aside from, you know, the fact that we're traveling partners. Yeah, we, we, did, we did that. We we did that, is uh, he's still rodeoing. You know, in a lot of professions, a lot of careers, you might retire at 65. Um, in bull riding, you see it more, I would say, 20, I don't know what the average is, but 25? 25 or thir- is the average, yes. 35? You know, guys, are they'll try it and they'll be done at 25. If they got a serious career, they might be done at 35. True that. You know, like JB is 36, and he just called it quits, you know? Well, he, he pretty much had to, Bubba. Yeah, well, he was forced to, for yeah. sure. He's not a good example, but I'm just saying he was 36 uh, because he's so unique. Um, but you hear of bull riders being 35, 36, 37 when they're about done, most of the time. But what's unique about Robert is you are how old? I'll be 60. You'll be 60 I, years old. I, I am 60 You are old. 60. Wow. 60 years old, still going. Because I showed these guys, you know, I was telling them about rodeoing with you, and I remember a few quotes you had, and I was telling them about Robert Menz. I was like, oh, yeah, well, they did the um, – they did a Yeti Presents on you, but that's been like seven years ago, right? It's been longer than that, I think, D. And kind of told your story there. And and, um, and then I had some guys from Amsterdam come down. They didn't like the way the story was told. So they come down, and I done the Texas Bull Rider. And uh, I took these guys to Mexico, Utah, and a couple other states. These guys did a pretty good job. Yeah. Where can we find that footage? Robert Mims. Just Google Robert Mims. Yes, sir. So, man, let's start with start at the beginning. Can we hear the the just the the Robert Mims origin story? Well, if I'm gonna tell my own story, it's gonna be like this here. You know, I was like uh, nine years old. My neighbor was a bull rider, and uh, yeah, that's what I thought I wanted to do for a living. So I went over and asked the man for a job, and had me shoveling shit. Yeah. Yeah. So I ended up shoveling shit before I got on anything. But me and my brother's been sneaking over, grinding everything he had in the pen all, you know, for the last five, six months. The cooter finally took time to teach me how to ride bulls, and uh, I've been doing it ever since. But I I don't know. I say, like, when I got when I left Texas, I was a pretty good bull rider. I moved to Montana for a spell, and I was I quit drinking. Well, I had to quit drinking because I didn't know I had a drinking problem, but I did. So I quit drinking and 
And I can write bulls sober, and it's shocked the hell out of me. Yeah. So I continue to write bulls, and I went to a couple of them bill forward deals. And I just want to realize some bulls I shouldn't get on if I was going to keep continue to ride bulls. That's about it, though. I still ride bulls today. Yeah. So <clears throat> you got you started whenever you're about nine. I mean, and I'm sixty today. So what year would have that been? Like in the seventies, huh? First, yeah, we call we call it seventies. Yeah. So what? Have you, you, you've watched the sport progress, you've progressed. Um, what are some of the major changes you've seen that have happened in bull riding? Well, besides just the payout itself, it's just like the comp camaraderie of, of bull riders getting together. We get together, you know, away from the arena. That you don't, they didn't do that. They, they did it back then, but we treat each other more like a family now. Uh-huh. We go out our way to see each other. Like me, I'm going to Wyoming to, to teach this kid how to ride the bulls in the finals in December. He's a bull rider. He starts every, he start all his good bulls. He just don't know how to finish them. I'm gonna teach him how to finish them before December. Yeah, yeah. So the camaraderie, where is somewhere that you experienced that early on? Well, that that was kind of like my upbringing, John Conrad. Marshall Matthews, guys like that, they were riding high school bulls. I didn't ride high school bulls. I was just going to shows and riding. When them guys bring me to their house where they got their own pen set up and teaching me more and more, we started hanging out. And I figured out I mean, somewhere down the line I got a little bit better than y'all. Please, like my words my words might not come up, but I did get a little bit better than y'all. And I took mine further than y'all would ever go. And, uh, them guys still call me today. And I, I wrote, like when I, when I first come back, I moved to Montana State a while. When I come back to Texas, everybody and their mama had a bull. They weren't in the PBR. That threw me for a loop. Because all our bulls, we got out of the cell barns and people's pastures. Yeah. When I started riding bulls. Yes, sir. And uh, when I get back here in Texas, everybody and their mama's got one bucket bull, and they think it's it. So I went down to a little place called Snook, Texas. Old boy thought he had a pretty good old bull. He, he bucked. What year was this? I don't remember. It's kind of about the time I met you, ain't it? Yeah. 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 Kermit Moss. <laughs> yes. uh, I didn't know. So Snook had some heydays. Yes. B- before I left Texas, I rode Snook when they still had the wooden pen. Yeah. So you were there when it was. <laughs> yes. Like literally just like the saying goes back when the shoots were made of wood, yes. the men were made of steel. Like yes. you were in Snook when, when they had. So you left and when you came back, that's where I was. Yes. Sir, I met you My at, first yes. picture I posted on social media, you were in it. I'll be doggone. Yeah. We were all standing outside of Snook, outside of that arena in Snook. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that ride pretty good because uh, I can't remember that kid that owned that bull, but he was pretty, you know, high mighty of that bull. He was a little shoot. He was bad in the shoot there for a little bit. Yeah, so I'm trying to remember who that might have been because Kermit had some bulls there. Yes, but, um, but you I, knew Kermit. Yes, and this was a different guy. Like there would occasionally there would be a different stock contractor. It wasn't was it was it an old man? No, a young guy. A young guy, Josh Denman. No, it wasn't Josh. This guy might have been four foot tall. He's about himself and this one bull he had. Yeah, shoot, I don't remember. Okay, anyway, that day, Kermit and a bunch of steer riders getting ready to rope. 
And we opened the booth, opened the light, all you heard was And Kermit Dimp stopped and looked around. It was just me kicking this bull. Yeah. I think his bull got hurt that day. Yeah. Yeah. I remember Robert Mims coming into so Snook was a significant time for me. That's when it began like I began to be the guy that people would contact when they needed to practice. So I was at a college rodeo. I was at um no, I was at Lexington at a bull riding and I had a college on the back of my vest because when you had that, those vests and anyways, whatever. And so Kermit saw that and he saw that I was going to, to blend and he, he's like, Oh, he's local. So he came over and we got introduced and he was like, can you help me put on this series? And so I started helping him. He, he was NFR team roper. He was him and his right hand man, Garrison. You remember yes. Garrison? Yes. Garrison, we're going to run the timed events and I would run the rough stock. And so I was in charge of, putting together the bull riding and um whenever i would meet bull riders i would put them in my phone i would put the letter z and then a space and then their names that way when it came time we were going to do a bull riding i would have all the local guys i could just go i could put z in and i knew whoever's name popped up would be somebody i was going to put you know let know send a group text hey there's bull riding that way I didn't have to remember every Tom, Dick, and Harry's name. Oh, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, I still forget today. So when I was texting you today, I looked at my phone. It said Z space Robert Mims. And I was like, I, it made me think about that summer. But I remember when you showed up and. I brought my grandbabies. You brought your grandkids. Yes, grandbabies. I mean, that was longer than 10 years ago. Yes, my, grandbab- my oldest grandbaby is 19 now. I mean, you, that would have been maybe more than 15 years ago. It's been a minute. And um, they were surprised you were riding then. Yes. Little did they know you've got a decade and a half left. <laughs> yeah, nobody knew that seen that coming. Did you? <laughs> oh, no. I never dreamed riding bulls at 60 years old. Nobody, yeah. nobody does that. Yeah. What is it? That has kept you going. God. I mean, if you look at me today, I'm I'm blessed. I'm not hurt. I yes, I exchanged my injuries through the years, but God's keeping me together and say you keep doing this. What I'm supposed to do, you know, for the uh, please Lord, I haven't figured out yet. That's why he's keeping me going till I figure it out. That's my honest opinion on that. You're still a student. Yes, I am. Do you how much I just, you're just such an, a non-typical 60-year-old. Like, anyway, I'm just trying to think how much of bull riding and continued bull riding has kept you and forced you to stay young. Like, do you, do you feel like the fact that you just haven't given up is something that's helped keep you young? No, I, uh, well, that's, that's, you look at it that way. I look at it like this. We all got a purpose here on life, and I can't figure mine out just yet. But this bull riding is keeping me sane and sober. I'm not crippled, and I'm good at it. So we all got a purpose on this earth, and I don't know what mine is, but I, I, if I tell anybody, it's to ride bulls and teach people how to ride bulls. 
But the people I want to teach is the ones that want to ride. I don't want to teach kids that mom and dad think they ought to be bull riders. You bet. I, I want to teach a person that wants to ride. And that's the only kid I want to help. And that, that's kind of selfish, but that's the way I think. And for me, I'm just blessed, Bubba. Yeah. So I know you said you're helping a kid up north. Yes. Where in Texas have you been lately that you've been able to help some young people? Well, I, I'm fortunate I got two bucking pins within miles from my house. Yep. I used to bring some inner inner city kids out, just let them get on, find it, see if I can find me one. I can't find the one out of that bunch, but I keep, keep letting these kids get on. And uh, I got uh, Paul Demons, and I have found me one protege. His name was Hopper Chew. I hauled him everywhere I went, made him get on where I went. He said he wasn't ready for the big bulls. Oh, yeah, you're ready, baby. And today he's a plumber. Today he's a plumber. I wonder what kind of life lessons he learned. Well, he exchanged one injury. You know, he, he, he's one of those young guys that's gone hold and wouldn't refuse to wear the helmet. So I made him put the helmet on that day that bull stepped in the middle of that helmet. That's like a, a wake-up call for him. And took him two days to realize that he might not have been here today. Yeah. Yeah. So That shook him. Yeah, it scared him. That's what I call it, scared him. But it, it woke him up. And he's not to, he's, he was never going to be a bull rider. I seen potential in him, but he couldn't see himself, so I let him go. Yeah. How much time do you think you give a guy before that, before you let him go? No, if if I found a kid that really I thought was really wanted to be a bull rider, I give him six months. Yeah. I, I mean, I give you six months doing it your way. That's my time. If you can't do it my way, you're doing it wrong. I know yeah. I'm, I know I'm not perfect, but I, I can teach you how to do this. Yeah. All you gotta do is listen and do what I say. What? Where do you live that those pins are with so close? I live out in Wixon Valley. Wixon Valley. Wixon Valley. Still down there in College Station area. I, I'm not moving. That's my, that's my mailing address. Dang. So, <clears throat> you're going all over. What can you say about the culture of bull riding around that area compared to other places, like, for instance, Phoenix or up north in Wyoming? Well, well uh, the culture is really – we got more access to bulls where I live than the most states I go to. These guys got to travel, you know, two or 300 miles – just to get on a practice bull. That's not right. Yeah. I've got two two or three pins within, you know, walking distance of my house. Yeah. And if you have more access to bulls and the more you get on, the better you get. But I noticed growing up, a lot of these kids don't practice like we did. Yeah. I used to get on 17 bulls a day, every day. Yeah. The kids don't do that no more. Right. They, yeah. Most of them want to, you know, like when that PBR, come, well, it was BRO before PBR come out. Them kids see that dollar sign, they want to get paid. I am not I'm not mad at you for that. But you gotta learn how to ride bulls first, son. And the best way to ride is practice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was having a conversation yesterday with some guys in the practice pen and I mean, today's Tuesday. So yesterday while we're practicing and it was at like two o'clock <clears throat> some guys they were just kind of getting on and they had trouble turning the fight on. And I was like, look, I know it's a practice pen. It's literally Monday at 3 o'clock. This is when the most energy drinks are sold because this is the day where people need to push through. But 
And the practice pin can sometimes be, especially you don't have music if there's not a lot of people. Like you're literally there. It's a grind sometimes to practice. And you've got to get yourself amped up the way the rodeo would amp you up. And I know some guys don't practice. However, like you, these guys come in here, they're 22, 24, 25 years old. Like you don't have time to just go to rodeos. You got to get on practice bulls. Well, it don't matter what you do in life, man. If you, no matter what sport it is, you got to have practice. You got to take time to be. If you want to be good at this, you got to practice at this. I mean, I guess a lot of people got God-given gift, but what you gonna do with it? You got to use that, and the only way you can use it is to practice. And the more bulls you get on, the better you get. And I've been like, like the time I went to Australia, I didn't know what to expect when I went to Australia. And them bulls over there, they're like eliminators. They jump up in the air and fall down on purpose just to hurt the cowboy. Yeah. <laughs> I got a trick for that, too. I learned that when I was younger, getting on those belly rolling bulls. And our bulls would literally leave the ground all four feet, go to one side. And they catch themselves right before they hit the ground. Like a cat. Yes, I learned that. And that was good for those Australian bulls. When I got over, I was ready for the butts. Yeah. How long were you over there? I, first time I went to stay there uh, two weeks. Second time I went, I stayed like a damn near a month. I'm looking for one more trip over there. What kind of practice bulls do you think a guy needs to get on? All depends your age group. If you're very beginner, I, I'm not gonna put you no jump kick and steer. I'm sorry, because uh, we got these uh, mini bulls. Uh huh. They buck. Yeah. I would put every beginner on a mini bull to show them the. The power these bulls seriously have. This is a little bitty guy, and when you hit that ground, are you gonna get up or are you gonna sit there and cry? whine? That's the guy I want to meet first. You crying means you're mad, and so I, I would take time to deal with this guy here. Yeah, but they, I would put him on mini bulls unless he's a real tall guy. So the 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 danger factor is toned down because they're smaller. Usually the mini bulls aren't as angry they're not going to come at you so they're not going to get hooked they're not going to if they do get stepped on it's a smaller bull but it's still going to have action yeah but that's what that's what you want you want these kids to feel the ground you want to feel the thrust of the bull the power and you want them to be able to get up and run if they're getting hooked every time or getting stepped on every time they're going to quit especially if you got somebody just starting out yeah and i i don't want my guy to quit on me because the ground's hard I don't want him to quit him because the bull's looking at him. I think he's going to get hooked. It's, you're going to get hooked. I'm yep. sorry. That's part of our life. You're going to get hooked. You're going to get stepped on. You're going to get kicked. I've been freight trained five times. Like my, I can honestly say my worst injury is when I cracked my sternum. I didn't see that coming. Yeah. I just stood up, turned around, the horn was there. Dang. I look at me. Okay. Yeah. And that was at 45. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that would have been around the snook time yeah, is I, 15 I, years ago yeah i just, just left montana to come back to texas yeah man <clears throat> um so i don't remember specifics about it but i remember we were coming you and i and ross shared you remember ross yes. ross getting on bareback horses and we were all three coming back from somewhere um in east texas because we were headed west back to college station and um I just remember talking to you about fight stories. And that's one of the things growing up, 
like as a rodeo cowboy, like listening to my dad, my dad and my uncle, like my, my dad said my uncle was bad, you know, or good. I don't know how you want to look at it, but like he would fight a lot. My dad fought some, even as non-confrontational as he was, but that was just part of the culture of like eighties and nineties rodeo bull riding was just, there was probably going to be a fight at some point, you know? Oh yes. And <clears throat> when was your first experience with that part of the culture? Well, mine started kind of early, you know. Like, <laughs> I, I I wasn't I, I wasn't a real, like a bully because I was a small frame feller, but I could hold my own. <clears throat> and then mine started with that calf roping on the other end because you know, bull riders still on the end, calf roping still on the end. Yep. We we wasn't we weren't talking like we do today. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it took a lot for them. I guess it took a lot of bull riders to start roping for us to come together. Yeah. Because these days, you got your, you're in my end. I, I hoped a lot of those calf ropers growing up. So, calf roping, all the timed events are on one end of the arena. True this. And then the, the, the bucking stock events, bareback, saddle bronc, bull riding, are on the other end of the arena. Those are the three events in the rough stock. And then you also have bullfighters and pickup men that could be looped in with rough stock. So you got three or four events on timed event end, three or four or five type events or jobs you can do on the rough stock end. The bucking shoots take up so much room and the timed event shoots take up so much room. They're literally on opposite ends of the arena. And not only are we kind of separated by the distance, we're also got different lifestyles. The timed event guys got to bring their own horse. Rough stock guys show up in a little car, and so we can travel together easily. We don't need to take a horse. One other thing is that rough stock guys go to a lot of slack. Uh, uh, timed event guys go to a lot of slack performances because it's not a big deal if you miss a few of the calf ropers. No offense to them, but if they got nine bull riders, or even if they do need slack in a bull riding, like they're going to do all they can to fit it in the perf because they need to put on a good show. Yeah, but see, I looked at it like this. When I was growing up, I could make two shows in one day, and I got to wait on your doggone ropers. Yeah. You know, now I could have been on my bull on the highway. Yep. And that's before, like, the bull riders only come along. When that came along, that was, like, perfect. Bucking just nothing but rough stock were good. Yep. And, I said, yes, that, that, that works for us. So there's always been a little bit of – we've always been, like, segregated from the – timies so to speak we usually i mean it's not just every rodeo there's rift between you know like we all agree you know and and everybody can agree that you know there's timed event guys that are cowboys that that came out wrong timed event guys are cowboys and rough stock guys are cowboys and so at the end of the day we're both trying to put on a rodeo performance but there's usually some playful jokes back and forth oh yeah and sometimes occasionally they're not so playful well, it's, that's because a lot of us wear our sl feelings on our sleeves. Yep. And I was one of those guys with my feelings on my sleeve. Yeah. <laughs> you remember any particular instances that you're able to share with the public? No, not right now. <laughs> <laughs> how many time? How many fights do you think you got in because of rodeo? Well, I, I got in a bunch of them. Like I was growing up, and I was going to East Texas to ride. I yeah. Got, they was I could only win second place. I mean, I go uh, there. I go there every week. Yeah. Second place paid five hundred bucks. That's a lot of money back then. Yep. So I would show up every week for that second place, and uh, we had they had a dance 
after you know a little club we danced at. I was dancing with this one little young lady. She asked me to dance. I danced. Well, her dad approached me. What are you doing, boy? She's dancing. Trying to take her home. I did not know it was her father. Oh dang! And you know, about twenty minutes later, if if it took a whole twenty minutes, just a group of older guys. I was a young guy. I don't know, twenty or maybe fifteen, twenty. A group of older guys gathering around, and my bull riders buddies rushed up on me. You gotta go. You gotta go now. What's the problem? That's her dad. So, Robert, you're black. I said, okay. <laughs> so I had to leave. That they was gonna hurt me. I did, I did not know about the president. I knew prejudice, but I did not never face to face with me. Yeah, that's the one thing I remember was she asked me to dance, and you know me being me, yes. Yeah, but uh, the dad didn't appreciate it, and yeah, I kept going at rodeo every week. Why do you think you kept getting second? Because uh, at first I, I look at it like this: and get me getting second back then was uh, they didn't know me, uh-huh. and the, the local guy was winning all the time. Yeah, it doesn't matter how bad I beat this guy, I would get second place. Yeah. Well, if I kept I kept going, and that changed. He's not going nowhere, and he can ride bulls. They start scoring me. I don't know. Five six months later, I start winning shows. Yeah, and hey, you can't you can't take it away from me. I'm doing my part. Right, and I I would literally get off my bull, pack my stuff, and go to pay one day and leave your town. If you would pay me, if you're not, I'd be back every time. <laughs> You'll let me do what I came here to do, then I'll be gone. Yeah, I mean, but I had a—I was in Cartridge, Texas. I had a good time. I met a lot of—I met a lot of people in Cartridge today. <laughs> when I cut through East, Te- East Texas today, if I see them old farmers, you know, they, they all go to cafe and eat. I, I take God of my way to go by there. Yeah, and some of them remember me, some of them don't. I remember you, boy. You started out, see, yes, sir. I didn't start out there, but before, you remember me coming to East Texas. Yeah. Were there as many black bull riders back then as there are now? See, I, I, where, where I live, wasn't a whole lot of black people around me, okay? So I don't know. I, I, I go to a lot of rodeos. I'd be the only black guy there. Might be a calf roper, and that's it. Dude. And especially like when I moved to Montana, and uh, mile high bucking horse sale, mm-hmm. I'd be the only black guy within a 200 miles radius. But my job was to ride bulls. And I have kids come and touch me to see if it comes off. <laughs> and uh, I thought that was hilarious because the parents would try to apologize. Why are you apologizing that kid? You taught him this, you know. <clears throat> and ain't that kid's fault. But, hey, but that never bothered me. Yeah. Only time, only time I got upset when you got in my face and you was mad because I was black and you called me that N-word. I said, damn, I'm about to fight you. <laughs> And then you, you don't fight one. You got to fight five or six of them. Yeah. You know? But, hey, I could hold my own. I was pretty good. But, no, but that's the most racist thing I seen was in Cartridge, Texas. and At the dance. Yeah, yeah. At the, it wasn't at the rodeo ground. It was at the dance. And then where else you were going to say? Montana. Montana. Yeah. <laughs> and I stayed there 10 years. <laughs> when I went, um, I grew up in Memphis, Texas. Okay. And, um. We, there were, there were, I grew up with a lot of black people. Like it was my best friend growing up. His name was Clarence Thomas. We called him Chief Justice. I didn't know why we called him Chief Justice till later in life. I realized the Supreme Court, you know, just, but me and Clarence. And, uh, but 
none of them were cowboys there. And when I went down, and I went down to Hitchcock, Texas. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've ridden at that arena right there on the. Just come through it. Yeah, you can like throw a rock into the water from Hitchcock, and uh, south of Houston, there was like 25 of us entered in a bull riding, and uh, I think it was 19 or 20 of them were black, and that that was that was the first my first introduction to the fact that there were you know cowboys out there you know that <clears throat> and then in that area well shoot uh i can remember like when uh i well, back in the days with uh stock contractors like bad company smoky davis uh i remember all this junior allen yeah all these black guys would come from the houston area i didn't know these guys were holding the ground these guys could ride bulls horses in the whole nine yards but uh, they had bucking pins in their backyards, brother. Mm-hmm. They've been doing this all their lives. And I yeah. didn't. I did not know this because I didn't hang around you guys. Yeah. I see you. At the, if I see you at the rodeo, we met. If the rodeo's over. I'm gone. These guys have been doing this all their lives. Yeah. And they they get on some of the best bulls that they they could get on. And stock contractors that they did meet would let them bring bulls home. These hell, I didn't know it existed like that neither myself. Tell you the truth. Really? But that they, they've been here all, all my whole life. Yeah, bull riding. The thing about, one of the things I love about rodeo, I, I can't speak to timed events, but I know like bull riding and bronc riding, bareback, when that shoot gate opens, there is zero prejudice with that animal. Not only do they not care what color your skin is, they don't care what kind of talking you've been doing, like how loud mouth you are. Like you can say what you want to say. When the gate opens, everything is, it's all, it's so pure when that gate opens. Like now it's like, can you ride bulls or not? Can you ride broncs or not? Are you able to overcome the emotions? Like can you back up, like do it, then talk about it. To, to, to me, I was, I was like, I wasn't really like a loud talk to people a lot. Mm-hmm. My the way I showed my actions, like you said, when that gate opened, you seen what Robert can do, and I do this every time. Yeah. I like when if I buck off, I get up with the prettiest, biggest smile you ever see. Because when I buck off, I mean, I bucked off a good one. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm a, in my in my head, I'm not gonna buck off because I didn't. I showed up to win. I do not show up for second place. I do not show up for crying hole. I show up to win. If I get bucked off, I bucked off a good one. Yeah. But when I do win, I'm just I'm just like me, the same person. I'm still just happy go lucky. I'm just got a bigger smile. Yep. Yeah. I remember that about you. Like I remember Snook, the 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 rodeos that we went to together. Like I, I remember seeing that smile no matter what happened. That is to be honest, I mean, and you can speak to this better than I can, but that may be one of the biggest reasons that your career has had the longevity that it has because you've, you're have you able to have a short-term memory. Like, because a lot of people cannot overcome that that failure and it'll drag on to the next bull. And now before you know it, you're in a slump because it just it's like a snowball. But if you're able to shake it off, take the good, and keep going, it gives you longevity in in. Well, that's, yeah, I agree with that 100%, Bo, because uh, I got kicked in the head one time and knocked my equilibrium off, 
I was mad. At, I mean, because I think I, I, I'm a damn bull rider. I'm a bull rider. I cannot ride a bucking horse. I can't ride a stick horse. I keep falling off. I'm getting mad, upset. I done changed spurs, changed ropes. I done changed 100 different things. I didn't know my equilibrium was off. But if I took a week off, yep, back at it. Yeah. So you got mad when you knew there was something that needed to be fixed. Yeah, I was trying to fix it. I was going about it the wrong way. Gotcha. One of the conversations I've had with one of the interns recently, like we were just talking about, <coughs> excuse me, we were talking about the fight and essentially being able to execute under pressure. So whatever it is, your pressure you you know self induced because you're nervous coming off an injury, you just bucked off, or maybe it's the pressure of a lot of money on the line. You got the horse to draw, you 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 know you drew the horse that everybody wanted. You drew the horse that everybody didn't want. Whatever it is, when the gate opens, being able to execute mentally in the midst of all those emotions. And that's why, you know, there's the joke, rodeo bull riding is 90% mental and the rest is in your head. Because physically, once you can do five, six, seven pull-ups without, you know, once you have a, the, uh, enough physical capability to handle your own body weight, then – if you, you should be able to execute the fundamentals riding a bull. Well, the only other thing to overcome would be your mind. Yeah, I, I, I told a couple of guys that this weekend. They was asking me, Robert, look at me, man. Would you, would you watch me ride? Said, yeah, I watch you, bro. They start these bulls fast. I mean, they, they start them perfect. Then about four seconds in the ride, they start thinking. Yeah. We don't. This is not a thinking game. We react. Yep. I mean, if you got time to think, you already bucked off. Yeah. Okay. And that's what I tell them. And so what I do, dude, just this is what I do when I get in the shoot. I, I'm I when I show up to the rodeo ground, I, sh I know I'm here to ride bulls. Yeah. So I'm already in that mind state to ride bulls. When my bulls leave that back box, come to the shoot, I'm watching them the whole time. Time I get my rope tied off, I'm riding this bull in my head. Yeah. And when you pull in my rope, I can go take my wrap. I make everybody back off, leave me alone. I go my little prayer. I'm riding bulls. Yeah. And I done rode this bull twice in my head already. Nothing should hold me back. Yeah. When you do that, so do you feel like it's even more of a calm feeling for you? Or do you think it's more like of an aggression, like like as if you were going to get in a fight? No, no. I, I have to calm down because I'm already excited just to be here. Yeah. Get, when I climb on the back, when I slide my leg on one side of the box and slide down on it, before I even adjust my rope, I you know, do, do my breathing. Yes, sir. It's, you know, in my mind, it's showtime. I, I got to go through my process of pulling my rope, getting adjusting my rope like I want it. And then when I get my rope tied off of my hand, I need you guys to back up and give me, I sneak five seconds, you know, in my mind. I'm sitting there and just, I breathe, breathe. Say a little prayer, slide up, not ride. Like I said, I don't rode this bull twice before I got on it. When you say you got to calm down, what is it you're calming down from? You just you love the you love bull riding, and your adrenaline has pumped up, so you you're calming down. If if you ever if you ever see me at a rodeo, you'll see me I'm back here bouncing around, dancing every song they play. I don't even know half of them, but I'm bouncing and dancing around. That's me. My juice is flowing. 
Uh-huh. So when I get in that box, I got to bring them juices down. I got to bring them down a notch. Yeah. Because I have over oak bulls a lot in the past. Because <laughs> gun ho, no, you weren't gun ho, you weren't ready. I was just, I got to calm down. Yeah. But it, hey, it took me 40 something years to realize what I was doing wrong. Right. Yeah. Man, I had a question. I just got caught listening. Uh, so where are you going next? Well, I'm going to Riverton, Wyoming, on a res. Mm-hmm. Help a couple of guys out. We're going to get a couple of bulls there. My next show, I got some finals in December in yep. Vegas. We ride on the 5th, 6th, and 7th for the Legendary Rodeo Association. Where's that? In Vegas. I know, but where? South Point? No, I have to look at my phone and tell you exactly where it's at. Okay. Yeah. That's neat that they're having it during the NFR. Yes. Yeah. They, they, we, you know, they got a, had a big old rifle and stuff. They're actually giving away tickets for the fifth and sixth round. Uh-huh. Well, we ride the fifth, sixth, and seventh. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. Oh, I remember what I was going to say. Um, just talking about, like, where you got to go mentally before you ride, like, you know, I think for me, I need to. Usually, I, I've got to get myself a little amped up. Like, I need to be getting ready. I need to, you know, there's there's some moments, I guess, what depending on the horse or bull, where it's like, all right, I need to, I do need to calm down. No pre workout this this go round. But a lot of times, I like to get a pre workout, you know, and and really kind of get myself warmed up. But I was in Giddings, Texas. I'm sure you've ridden at that indoor pen in Giddings a lot. And I was slapping out a horse for Bill Tudor. I was telling one of the guys this story yesterday. And you remember Bill? Yes, I do. Oh, yeah. He was from down there. And I, I know you've seen him. Went to the NFR several times. <clears throat> and he was he had his hand in his rigging. And he's got, he, he's got his – he's sitting on his horse, and he's waiting on the horse before to get out of the arena. Made a couple of laps. So his hand is in his rigging. And I'm about to slap him out. And he looks over at a guy who's standing next to him, who is standing next to me. And he's like, oh, man, I like that buck stitch on your belt. Did you do that buck stitch? Because buck stitch is really, it's time consuming. And so, like, and Bill knows that. So in his mind, he was he was literally thinking like, oh, dang, that's a lot of work for that belt. Did you do it? And this guy was like, yeah, I did it. He was like, oh, that's really cool. And he turned back, the horse was out, and he was like, okay. And so he just got under his rigging and leaned back and nodded. You know, but like it was just, it was a switch for him. And as calm and collect as Bill is all the time, I'll never forget that. I remember it so vividly. But to me, it wasn't because of whatever on a buck stitch belt. But the way he was able to just be a little distracted by his own decision, but then he just looked at that horse, turned it on, and spurred down a bareback horse. Yeah, but see, that's, that's pretty much me in a kind of figure of speech. That's what I'm, I'm thinking. Yeah, because uh, I can sit there and talk to you, you know, pull my rope, let go now, please back up. And, you know, but if a bull turns his head or leans, somebody wants to reach in there and grab him and twist him. I got, I got that, please back up. <clears throat> but, uh, yes, but you, you got to, for me, myself, I have to be focused right there and then. But I need, that, I need those five seconds for me. Yeah. I don't need to back there uh, moving his head pushing him over and i you know c- coming up i took a lot of bulls laying down yeah a lot of people won't do it but i got the, you got the advantage of him he's got to stand up right and that's <clears throat> i took bulls you know laying down and one big show 
bucked off a lot of them. But you got the advantage of them because he's got to stand up, son. But that, then uh, there's bulls back when I was younger that rare up in the box a lot. A lot of guys in the first extensions yank their hand out. But now, <coughs> you know, they, if you ever had one come over on you, you, you would understand. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I've sat there many days back in the days, and it just, hey, it is what it is. It's, when it comes down, open the gate. Yeah. A lot of that was practice. So we wouldn't know, you know, it was practice. So, and you bring it bull back in two or three times till he stops jumping around. Some of them we had to put halters on and tie their heads down so they'd notice to keep their heads down. That's before we laid that rope across the chutes there. Yeah. Yeah. I just, it's, it's just the way you go about, it's like we teaching the animal and teaching ourselves at the same time. But you got to, the way you go about doing it is, is right. I mean, it's, I've seen stupid stuff happen, and I don't know how they got away with it, but they did back in the days. But now, just so many eyes on you, you got to do it right. Uh huh. Yeah. Like we used to <coughs> hot shot our bulls out because we make them leave the box a little faster. You can't do that anymore. You know, just little bitty stuff like that. It's, uh, it's changed a lot since I've been doing this here. What are some of the interesting side jobs you've had so that you could continue going down the road rodeoing? Mechanic. Yeah. I can, uh, I can go to a small mom and pop mechanic shop, put a transmission in and out, pull a motor in and out in a, you know, in a day or two, and they give me enough money to get me to my next show. Dang, but that's it. But they would, they would call me when something's, you know, I need your order. Well, I got Ben Cody tomorrow. Come work at night. So I work at nighttime doing this for him, so I can make Cody the next day. Man, that is a unique well, my d- twist my d- of. My dad taught me how to mechanical stuff, and it came in handy. <laughs> Dang, you know I've I've always thought that like a horseshoer, mm-hmm. for instance, would be an interesting because then you get to you you can set your own schedule. You know you're you're, but. I mean, mechanicin would be very similar to that. I, I, what I'm getting at is like why you rodeo, you know, if you set your own hours. But if you're just kind of a freelance mechanic, like everybody has a car. Yes. So, I mean, you could go change somebody's oil. You could go. See, I've always, I don't know anything about cars and mechanicin, and I've not put forth any effort to do anything about it. Okay. Okay. Like I moved to Montana in 96. I moved on that res maybe four days after I got up there. I, I moved to the res because I'm, I'm a country boy. And it, I lived in Billings, and that's all concrete. I was uncomfortable on that, all that concrete. So I moved out there on the res, and that's what I did. I fixed people's cars on the res and charged them very little enough to get my entry fees. Uh-huh. And they would tell their cousin or everybody's cousin. <laughs> and I would fix their cars all the time. And then uh, the big rancher out there wanted me to work his tractors. Dude, he he's worth family entry fees, but the rest of them was pretty much like family to me after a while. Yeah. Anyway, I, I would that's what I did. I go work on y'all's stuff, y'all give me entry fee money, and I go run it. What a neat way to bring value to somebody. For me, for instance, I have no problem writing a mechanic a check. You know, like 
I feel guilty handing a horseshoe or a check because I think I should know, you know, like I can, can kind of trim one and I should know how to put a shoe on. Like it's a more of an internal battle, you know, like if I owe the guy money, I'm going to give him a check. But the point is like a mechanic, I don't think twice about it. Well, see, I, I taught my girls, I, I, I'm a, I got three kids of my own and I got two other sons. So they're still, still I don't mind. I taught my girls how to change the flat, change the oil, change the spark plugs. Yeah. When they was, Teenagers. I said, baby, look, you got to learn this because I don't know what kind of man you're going to have the rest of your life. But if you learn to do this, you'll be all right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, but you're, you're just bringing value to society. You know, like who, who are the producers in a community? You know, like who's making every, everything continue to move forward? You know, and I think mechanics are a big part of that. It's, that's, that's neat though. Like it's just not something you hear. You hear like guys like, oh yeah, I did a little, fin- I built some fence over here for this guy, or you know, I trained some horses over here, and those are all neat. And there's nothing wrong with. It. I'm not throwing rocks at it, but like, that's cool that you had a trade. You had yes. a trade. Yes. And you made it more of like an entrepreneurial type thing where you were kind of on call. That's cool. Yes, I mean, I, I hate it working with people because they tell you what they do all the time. But if you if you leave me alone, I get it done, and I do it right. Yeah. If you're not satisfied, I do it again. But I, I didn't had that minute, had that problem. I, I treat everything as like it's my personal vehicle, and you know your personal vehicle you want right. Mm-hmm. So if you treat it like it's yours, you're gonna do it right the first time. Mm-hmm. Dang, super neat. So do you? And then and then you're just you're able to do your own stuff. Yes, you can come and go as you please. My second or third intern, Garrett Kelly Johnson, when he got out of high school, he went to um, a diesel tech program and it was you know nine months one year deal and got certified whatever and I I always admired that you know as far as especially when people go to talking about a quote-unquote fallback plan you know a four-year degree is really expensive for a plan b you know but if you were able to learn a trade maybe you go work at a diesel mechanic shop maybe you don't regardless if if you don't and that's your plan b you can still always work on your own stuff yes same thing with like a plumber and electrician that's it. I, my, I got two. I got twins, boy and a girl. One's a plumber, one's an electrician. Yep. Yeah. Now my baby girl, she's like her dad. She enjoys life. Trades are coming back. Yes. Oh, you, you got to have a trade. Well, I mean, it's like I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, nine grandkids. Yeah. And my, my major's that I didn't finish school. They have to finish school. Yeah. You know, it's. I kick myself in the butt sometimes for not finishing school or not going to get that GED. Yeah, you know, I kick myself in the butt for that a whole lot. But uh, I make these kids go to school now. Because yeah. if you, if you, I mean, today you got to have it. But, but like my dad and his brothers, they quit, their, they quit school to take care of their families. Right. You know, that's back when they picking cotton and all that other nine yards. Remember, I am 60. So they had to go to work. I I didn't have to go to work. I, I play. I grew up playing cowboy. Yeah. And I, I was in a saddle. If I wasn't in a saddle, I was working the auction board, you know. And I had options, and I don't want to lose Red Bull. Well, you not getting your degree um, probably drove you in a different way. I mean, for instance, even if it is to just motivate your, your nine. Well, uh, yes, I, I can speak on that because, uh, see, like <coughs> – when I was 24 and 25, I took care of all my siblings mm-hmm. just from riding bulls. Yeah. You know what I mean, 
they had a car payment, rent, or whatever it was, food they need on the table. I got it. Cause what if, if, I, if I ain't got it Friday, give me the Sunday. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm right, I usually write bulls Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You give me the Sunday, we got this. I'm not going four shows and not get first twice. That's yep. the way my mind was thinking. That's what I did. Yeah, and it, the cool thing about bull riding is, like, you do have you always have your duck-offs that, you know, especially down in that area, if you go to a little open bull ride or something, yeah, you might win three or 400, but you could hit a lick and come out of a four-day weekend with, you know, a few thousand dollars. I've been to shows that I've been the only guy covered. One weekend, I had a hauling partner named Sean Warman. He was like 15 at the time. His parents, you know, gave me a uh, written up permission so I can take him out of state. I said, if I got to take him, I got to have a piece of paper that says, hey, he's mine. Yeah. We, we went to, you know, Oklahoma, Louisiana. I was taking this kid, just taking this kid out of state, and you can't show up, Robert, a white kid, say, <laughs> say he's yours, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, that's the truth, though. I couldn't just show up and say he's mine, you know, but I had yeah. a piece of paper that says, I'm his guardian, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, dude. After we, we, me and Sean done this, this kid learned to ride bulls, but he's dead and yeah. gone today, you know, God forbid. But hey, the kid learned how to ride bulls, and that's what we do. I mean, because we, we, if you take care of each other, we got this. So you went, there was a weekend, there was a, a, a rodeo that weekend that you were the only one to cover. Is oh, that where you're going with that? Yeah, I mean, because that was Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I went all four shows, bro. Oh, dang. Cleaned four. house. Did I mean, all that cash at one time? Dude, I feel like a millionaire, you know, it's back, right. back when. Dude, let's go splurge. Yeah. <laughs> you know? How much you think you won that weekend? Well, two, two, two shows paid over 5000 Dang. So we, we, we did good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and see, that's the thing with bull riding. I don't know what year that was, but you go to, you go to some of these deals. And yeah, see, like. 30, 40 guys, it's only three or four of them are going to cover. Yes. And, I mean, if you got thirty bull riders, you know, get to play with play five holes. Yep. I mean, you know, you break it down, and then you got that added money on top, and you're the only guy that covers. Yeah. That's like a little blessing. Oh man. <laughs> and you know, sometimes that that I can remember living in Montana. That happened a couple of times. I I didn't need the money at the time, but shoot, one yeah. of my kids' cars broke down. Hey, I get you on tomorrow. It ain't gonna be. The twenty five thousand dollar cars will be a hoopty, but yeah. you but you back up and going. What so some of those early I mean, you've been rodeoing that long. You have had times where you hit a lick. Like that weekend, mm -hmm. you know, you're getting into five figures. Yeah. So like I remember the first time I won a bull riding, I couldn't tell you to this day what I did with that money. Not that you need to remember it years later, but the point is, is like I did, it did just disappear, you it, know? It does. What have you learned about managing money when it comes in in like kind of waves? Okay, so what, 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 it took me a minute to get there too, cause, but uh, I would take X amount of money I went and put it in this bank account over here and not touch it. Then I would go work with my entry fees over here, but this money <clears> still's here. So every time I win something, I would put something here. Put something here because I, I didn't. Nobody goes out to, to ride bulls forever, and then that's the only th work I wanted to do. So I know if I wanted to have any kind of savings, I had to put it back over here. Yeah, that's what I did, bro. Yeah, yeah. When, so, when do you, when did that, when do you think you got good at being disciplined with it like that? 
I'm gonna say we got to be forty something. But yeah, like I was forty because I was like thirty eight, thirty nine when I went to went to Montana. <laughs> That's when I realized if I want to go back to Texas and I, have my stuff, I better have a little nest egg. And yeah. that's, that's building my nest egg. I assumed it's been a while just because, like I said, if you're going to rodeo that long, you just, you've got to find a way, a system put in place. You know, because if you work a normal job, you know every week you're going to get a check and it's going to be this amount. And True. there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But it, sometimes it's easier with that kind of routine to set up you can even set it up where you don't even see the money. Like sometimes you can set it up with your 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 company you work for where that goes into a retirement or whatever. But yes. when you're a bull rider, like I can we can all vouch like we've been young, you know, <coughs> fun havers who get handed multiple thousand dollars at one time. And it takes a responsible young person, it takes a responsible older person to just get that money. And be responsible with it. Now, I have been the opposite guy too. I've been shows down like, oh shoot, a big name, a little town, but it's, it's here in Texas. I take the hundred dollar bills, put them in one pocket, put the change in the other pocket. Then I was tipping these girls the change. I did not tip them the change. I was tipping them hundred dollar bills. Oh dang! Woke up broke. Oh, and I was at a show the next day, and I had. Maybe seventy dollars in my pocket. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it, she's been on another feet, but it, it happened. It happened. It happened once. I was a learning lesson there. After that, I started leaving stuff in the car. I put my money in my rigging bags. So no one's ever stole my rigging bag before. And then we didn't lock our trucks back then, you know. Yeah, our stuff was ours, and they respected that. Yeah, yeah. Did you ever go to any PRCA shows? Oh yeah, I went to Bud's PRCAs when I lived up north. Yeah. That's yeah, a, you had to up there because it's not as many. <laughs> I can remember being the uh, Elite Association, Northern Rodeo Association, PRCA Association one year, and my holding partner was Nathan Hofer. And uh, dude, not that cowboy Christmas where, you know, bam, bam, bam. We was in five shows that weekend. We had <clears throat> two in Montana that we could make in a day. It just takes some driving. One in Idaho, one in Washington, back to Montana. That's that's nice, man. Yeah, that's some hauling. Yeah, but we we had a third person. We always had a driver because we, we every now and again we we need a little sleep. Right. Yeah, we had a driver. Yeah. Um, how many events a year do you think you're going to these days? Now I'm I'm winding it down, Bubba. <laughs> I'm in I'm in one association. They got they put on five to six shows a year. I'm ready. I'm ready, ready to call it quits. At least if I yeah. keep telling myself, the wife said I never will. But uh, I got in this one association, so I don't have to travel so far. Well, ain't none of them in Texas. So I got to travel regardless. But uh, I only got to go to five, and I can make your finals. My my deal is, if I'm in your association. I want to make your finals. Yeah. I don't want to join your association. Be the number sixteen. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. <clears throat> yeah, but I'm. Like, I invited a bunch of my families that have never seen me ride to Vegas this year. I, I don't want to make this my last year. <laughs> Robert Mims, he's going out at age 60. That's what it is for you. I'm That's the cutoff. I'm trying to go out at 60. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, I can remember 
no one, like I said, no one sets out to write books this long. And then if it, if it wasn't so much fun, I, th- I know I'd have quit a long time ago. Yeah. If, you know, if my body, <laughs> my body was beat up or something, I'd have quit a long time ago. But yeah, God's blessed me to keep going. So I keep going. Right. But then God's been talking. It's about that time. <laughs> I mean, cause you think about it. And when people always ask, when are you going to quit writing books? I said, he'll tell me, he'll tell me. No, he, he been God. He'll tell me. I think he's telling us that time. Yeah. And I, I enjoy taking my kids to the river fishing and all that there. You can't go up and down that river if you're hurt, baby. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I This this past weekend <clears throat> in Arizona, it might have been, I'm saying 35 of us bull riders, the first section. Come the second one, like 14 of us, brother. Yeah. Yeah. And but, dude, we got to agree, though, this is senior, senior, senior deal. The youngest guy's 40. Uh-huh. We got a 40, 50, and a 60 age group. And I was surprised that there was that many 60 guys yeah. riding bulls. For sure. I, you know, just, and you got your 59 year old guys that's coming in the 60s next year. Y'all can have this. Y'all can have it. <laughs> Y'all can have this. I mean, because, like I said, I, I've got guys that are 25, 30, and dude, they can't even walk. Or they're hurt for the rest of their life. I don't. I made I made that past all that. I don't want to. I don't be like I want to enjoy. Like I mean, you visiting you right now. This is what I want to do. I like to go visit, be upright, and have a good time. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. We um, uh, dang. I was talking to JB and uh, after his injury and uh, Facetimed him and you know he had on he had a pretty bad spill and mm-hmm. had to have surgery, emergency surgery, yeah. and uh. He was, you know, Randy called him and a good friend of ours. And Randy was saying, man, I'm sorry it had to happen this way. And JB had the best attitude. He said, this is, this is the way it was going to have to happen. Yes. Because he wasn't going to quit. Yes. You know, and, you know, now I'm just speculating when I say this, you know, we didn't go into detail about it, but like it, it could almost be liberating to a degree for a guy when he's forced to quit. Because then he doesn't have to go through the when do I quit conversation with himself, which may be the hardest thing for a rodeo cowboy there is, is when do I hang it up? And because everybody wants to do what Robert Mims is doing and yeah. last until you're 60. Yeah, but I, I didn't say that. For no I wanted to be done at 25, 35. <laughs> yeah. 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 My my old man, he uh, he died. He was 55. So he would have got on his last bronc when he was fifty four. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so he he you know, he wasn't he kinda wrapped up rodeo and rodeoing, like early thirties, you know, and then he got on a few when I was a kid in his forties and we went to on a little run, Cleburne, Big Spring, some of those just circuit rodeos, and then um a guy didn't show up. And when he was 54, that was in September of 2012. And he um, he was like, I'll get on him. And so he got on this horse, and it was a jump kicker. You know, he was 65 points, and he was on cloud nine. Yes. You know, and just the fact that he was still able to do it. And um, Aaron Lyde, you remember Aaron Lyde? I, mean, I don't remember that name. Yeah, yeah. He was, uh, at the time, he was roommates with Jacobs Crawley. And they would come to snook some, mm-hmm. and Aaron won it. Well, anyways, 
That was in September of 12. Well, May of 13 is when he died. <clears throat> My old man, he was picking up. And uh, Aaron gave me that buckle. And it's on my it's on my mantle at the house, but he just like man, I, th- I always thought your dad should have had this, you know. And I'm, I, Aaron made the better ride on the better horse, yeah. but he just yeah, he, and uh, but he just my dad had that that like being physically able, but just that desire to just be in the fight. Well, see, like me, as healthy I am today, I would love to save some of this in case I had to show a kid instead of tell a kid. Uh huh. Yes, that's how I think about it. I mean, I, it won't be no, no rank, rank bull, but I don't show you what to do, son. Just watch me. We watched this video a hundred times. If I can do this, you can do this. And I think I want to, I'm about to show my next kid, and I want to be able to show him instead of just telling him. Have you ever had much of, like, a workout program? Ooh, we work out? Look at me. No. Yeah. No. Don't don't lift no weight. You just get on bulls. Yes. Just get on yeah. Bulls. Yeah, but I, I stay physical doing physical. Like right now, pipeline, right? Yeah. I'm a hydro test. Ain't no hard work in this. But I, before that, I'm mechanics. I'm picking up stuff. I stay physical. I do physical stuff. Very active. Yes. I do not force lifting weights and uh, going to the gym. No, sir. That's not, never, never going to happen. Yeah. You got to, when you stop moving, stuff stop working. Keep moving. I guess that's what I was trying to speak to earlier. I just, I feel like you're just not, obviously, this is an obvious statement. You're not a typical 60-year-old. And I've, what percentage of that do you credit to bull riding? Like, yes, bull riding's dangerous. It's a very physical sport. But it, I feel like it has just kept you, helped keep you young. Or, or do you think you, 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 you are young mentally with or without bull riding? No, I'd be lost without bull riding. Yeah. Yes. I'd probably just shut down. That's, I, don't, I don't think like that, though. Yeah. It's like my wife said, you probably, you're not probably going to retire. So, what? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to hang my rope up. I got a place for it on the wall. Yeah. Yeah, right. I mean, but but I want to be able to help somebody else. That means if I have to get on, it won't be at a show. I don't want to have to go to a show anymore. Yeah. I want to do it when I want to do it, like an open show. I like to go sneak in sometimes to open show. That old fart doing your kids i'm still alive something like that yeah yeah cool man that's an interesting perspective what what is speaking of perspective what's like some life advice that you tell yourself or have told other people when you're going down the road well, like a, a mantra like a, a oh, motto okay, okay like so I, I travel i usually travel by myself but I have I have, I have had traveling partners and you know take bits and pieces of their stuff. It's it, it's it's different when I'm traveling by myself because I'm I'm concentrating just on Robert. But when I'm with somebody else, I try to work on them. And if we work on each other, you're just giving each other feedback. If you, if you can't take that criticism, you're not going. This is not going to work. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to tell you something I think you need to try. I, but I will tell you something you need to stop doing. Mm. And I'm wrong for that, but that's how I feel. But I don't know. But you just, just got to stay active. If you don't, I don't care what you're doing in life. If you're not staying active, you, your body's gonna shut down. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> I got a question for you. Yeah. How much longer we got this? Oh, we're getting close. I got a tinkle. You gotta go to the bathroom. Yes, sir. Yeah. No, this is a good spot. Okay. 
No, I appreciate you uh, bringing me your story. I appreciate Robert Mims coming on. My old traveling partner, Robert I, Mims. I, last time I seen you was, uh, wasn't it CPRA? Yep. Yeah, it's been, I've been some moons, too. It's like yeah. six, 16. Dang, you were going to them, too. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember showing up, these young guys, who's that old man? Yeah. Why is that old man here? <laughs> Well, it's great to have you. We're gonna we're gonna go over to the practice pen now. So yes. look out for a, an episode of Rodeo Time on the beaches where uh, you might see Robert Mims giving them, the young guys some pointers. Um, check out rodeotime.com. I'm Dale Brisby with my old traveling partner Robert Mims, and we're on to the next one, old son. Pow pow. Thank you, Dale. Thank you.